Mike White being here, missionary for many years, seeing his dear wife, and uh, appreciate their ministry. They now minister to college campuses, uh, giving out the gospel. What a mission field in our nation. Uh, these college campuses that have turned, uh, really they're turning out uh, atheists and godless uh, uh, communists. That's what our universities are producing in these days. And if there's any place where the light of the glorious gospel needs to shine in, it's at these campuses. And uh, so they go there, they set up right now, I guess they're not allowing you on the campus. Okay, some of them are, and uh, others are using COVID as an excuse. But uh, they set up outside, they talk to the young people as they leave campus, and some of them they're able to go on and just give the gospel to. So pray for them. And uh, I don't, do you have pray, prayer cards, brother, with you? Okay, well, that's all right, brother. Amen. 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 As the school year begins and the campuses start getting uh, fired up again and, and, Students on there will be working in Maine and New Hampshire primarily to begin the school year. So pray for them and uh, that God would use them. And I appreciate you being here in the service tonight. Jeremiah chapter 36. Also good to see the Lathrops. Uh, good to see you folks. Amen. Appreciate you being here. It's good to see all of you. Amen. It really is. Uh, so it would be really lonely to preach to an empty building tonight. So I appreciate you being here. Jeremiah 36. If you found your place, I invite you to stand with me. We're going to read uh, throughout the chapter. We're not going to read the entire chapter. I'd like to, but uh, really for sake of time, we're not going to. But uh, Lord willing, we'll get the gist of what's going on here in this chapter with the verses that we read. We're going to begin in verse number 1, Jeremiah chapter 36, verse 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that this word came unto Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Take thee a roll of a book, and write therein all the words that I have spoken unto thee against Israel, and against Judah, and against all the nations. Uh, you know, sometimes we get a bad rap for being against so, so many things. Well, God's against some things, Amen. He's against all of them, all of them. He said, from the day that I spake unto thee, from the days of Josiah, even unto this day, it may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil which I purpose to do unto them, that they may return every man from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. Then Jeremiah called Baruch the son of Neriah, and Baruch wrote from the mouth of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord, which he had spoken unto him upon a roll of a book. And Jeremiah commanded Baruch, saying, I am shut up. I cannot go into the house of the Lord. Therefore go thou and read in the roll, which thou hast written from my mouth, the words of the Lord in the ears of the people, in the Lord's house upon the fasting day. And also thou shalt read them in the ears of all Judah that come out of their cities. Now, 
jump forward to verse number 16. Now it came to pass when they had heard all the words, they were afraid, both one and other, and said unto Baruch, We will surely tell the king of all these words. And they asked Baruch, saying, Tell us now, how didst thou write all these words at his mouth? Then Baruch answered them, He pronounced all these words unto me with his mouth, and I wrote them with ink in the book. Pretty simple, isn't it? Then said the princes unto Baruch, Go, hide thee, thou and Jeremiah, and let no man know where ye be. And they went in to the king unto the court, but they laid up the roll in the chamber of Elishama the scribe, and told all the words in the ears of the king. So the king sent Jehudai uh, to fetch the roll, and he took it out of Elishama the scribe's chamber, and Jehudai read in it, uh, it in the ears of the king and the ears of all the princes which stood beside the king. Now the king sat in the winter house in the ninth month, and there was a fire on the hearth burning before him. And it came to pass that when Jehudai had read three or four leaves, he cut it with the penknife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until all the roll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Yet they were not afraid nor rent their garments, neither the king nor any of his servants that heard all these words. We'll stop reading there tonight. I want to preach for a little while tonight on this thought, the spirit of Jehoiakim. The spirit of Jehoiakim. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day you've given us. Thank you, God, for your strength and the safety you've given us. Thank you, God, for your spirit that you've... uh, blessed us with his presence tonight already. And Lord, we pray now as we turn our attention to the word of God, this is the main part of the service. This is why we're here, to hear what thus saith the Lord. Dear God, I pray that you would help me, Lord, that you would fill this vessel. Lord, I know in and of myself I am unworthy, I'm unfit. But Lord, through your spirit, through your enabling, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you purchased me. Now, Lord, I pray that you would fill me and use me just simply to be a vessel that's fit for the master's use tonight. Lord, may you remove me out of the way. May they hear the word of God. May the spirit of God speak to every heart. Lord, I pray for the souls that are in here that are lost. They are on their way to an eternal hell. And Lord, I pray that you would arrest their attention tonight. I pray that they would uh, repent of their sin and trust Jesus Christ tonight as the only hope for their salvation. Lord, I pray for your people. Lord, I pray that you would help us not to have the spirit of Jehoiakim tonight. God, I pray that you would help us to treasure your words, to uh, believe your words, to cling to your words, and and to live your words. And Father, I pray... Lord, I pray for mercy, for mercy upon us, upon our nation. Dear God, I pray that we had turned from our sins and turned back to you. Dear God, do a work in these days. Send old-fashioned, Holy Ghost, heaven-sent revival. And Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. 
We began looking at the book of Jeremiah yesterday afternoon, and we saw from Jeremiah chapter 1 three main themes from the book of Jeremiah. We saw that, uh, that Jeremiah's message was not a message of deliverance, it was a message of judgment. And as you find, you find that theme throughout the prophets. And when we think about the prophets, many times they're overlooked, they're ignored, uh, they're put to the side. And I believe the reason being is we don't like their message. Their message throughout the, the, the Old Testament, the prophetical message was of coming judgment. And listen, the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. The God of Israel is our God today. And God will still bring judgment upon sin. And so the, the uh, recurring theme throughout the book of Jeremiah is this theme, judgment is coming. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And this is going to be something that we're going to see. And as you study through the book of Jeremiah, you'll see this. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And so judgment is coming. Here's the question. Are you ready? If you're here tonight and you're unsaved, let me repeat what I said yesterday afternoon. You are not ready for the coming judgment. Because this judgment, listen, there's, there's a twofold judgment that awaits mankind. There's an earthly judgment that is going to be meted out upon this earth and upon the nations of this earth. But then there is an individual judgment. And that's, uh, we're all going to stand before God. Every one of us is going to give an account before God. And nobody's going to stand there with you. Nobody's going to answer for you. It's going to be you and God. If you're lost, you will be cast into the lake of fire. And there will be no amount of pleading or begging that can stop that. My friend, you need Jesus Christ. You must be born again. That judgment is coming. Are you ready? Now, as the people of God, we understand that, praise God, we will not have to face that individual judgment of our soul because Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, died for all of our sins. And his blood was sufficient to pay for every sin we've ever committed. When you trust Christ, you're trusting in the, in the sufficiency of, the, of his blood that he shed on Calvary. The Bible says that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. I'm so thankful for that. However, we understand, even though we don't have to worry about eternal judgment, as God's people, we understand that when God judges a nation, the people of God that are within that nation will also suffer with that nation. Jeremiah, though he loved God, though he walked with God, though he worked for God, he still experienced some of the fallout of the judgment upon the nation. But even though judgment was coming, the, the, the second very important truth through the book of Jeremiah is that we see is that Jeremiah had a duty. 
He had something to do. He had a job that God had given him. And uh, the question is for us, we know judgment's coming. I don't believe there's any doubt in my mind at all. There can be no doubt that judgment is coming upon our nation. What are we going to do about it? Well, this is what we ought to do. We ought to just keep doing what God's called us to do. We ought to keep preaching the gospel. We ought to keep living right. We ought to keep exalting the name of the Lord. We ought to keep being a light and a testimony to those around us. He told Jeremiah, he said, I'm going to put my words in your mouth. And those are the words I want you to say. I wonder, as believers, how many of the words coming out of our mouths God put there. Boy, we're quick to complain and murmur and gripe and worry. You know what I find? I don't find God murmuring. I don't find him complaining. I don't find him worrying. Amen? And so let's make sure that the words coming out of our mouth are the words that God's put in there. Judgment is coming. Duty is awaiting us. Are we willing? And then... The third theme that we see throughout the book of Jeremiah is that God's grace is sufficient. Even though judgment is coming, even though there's a great duty that we have and it's not going to be appreciated, still God's grace is sufficient. He can strengthen us to be faithful unto the end. And so with this in mind, we come to Jeremiah chapter 36. Now, there's a lot that has transpired between chapter 1 and chapter 36. As a matter of fact, there's about 22 years that have passed. And now we find in chapter 36 that the the Lord uh, appears to Jeremiah or speaks to Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah. And he's telling him, I want you to take a roll of a book. And in those days, they, they had their books were in scrolls. They, they rolled up. And he said, I want you to take a, a, a roll, and I want you to write down all these words and all these prophecies that I've given to you. Right. Now, keep in mind, he's been preaching for 22 years. Also keep in mind that his message of coming judgment is 22 years old. And you know what's going on in the minds of the people? Well, that old Jeremiah. There he goes again. What does he know? Everything's just fine. Everything's just going to continue. And you're going to see that this is what identifies the spirit of Jehoiakim. What does Jeremiah know? But now the Lord says, Jeremiah, all these prophecies I've given you, I I want you to write them down. And so Jeremiah gets Baruch, he's a scribe, and he gets him to write down all these words. Now what's important for us to see, and as we read the scriptures, please notice that Jeremiah is telling Baruch to write the words. It says, verse 4, from the mouth of Jeremiah, all the words of the Lord. It may be coming from Jeremiah's mouth, But they are not Jeremiah's words. They are God's words. 
And he said, I want you to write them down. And so Baruch does. He reads them to the people. The princes hear them. The people hear them. And the Bible tells us their response in verse number 16. When it came to pass, when they had heard all the words, they were afraid, both one and other. Can I say, this is a proper response to the word of God. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know why people are living lives of folly? Because they do not fear the Lord. And the indictment is given in Romans chapter 1 that the fear of the Lord is not before their eyes. And the indictment, I believe, is given to the people of God because if anybody ought to live in a way that exemplifies the fear of the Lord, it ought to be the people of God. They're not seeing the fear of the Lord, and so they're not personalizing and believing the fear of the Lord. But now they're hearing the word, and they're afraid. Why are they afraid? Because the words of Jeremiah, as I said, they were not words of hope. They were words of judgment. And so they're afraid one another. And, and they, they say to Baruch, we will surely tell the king all these words. And so they set up this meeting between the princes and the kings. They tell Baruch, uh, you go hide, you and Jeremiah. Let no man know where you be. They understand this may not turn out well. Why is that? Because again, the message is a message of judgment. People don't take kindly to a message of judgment. Especially when it's in regards to their own sin. And so he tells them, you go hide and we'll tell the king the words. And so they set up this meeting with the king. The Bible tells us that the king was sitting in the winter house in the ninth month and there was a fire on the hearth burning before him. That's verse 22. And they start reading the prophecy. And they only get about three or four pages into it. And the king says, I don't like this. Why do you always got to be preaching judgment? Why do you always so why are you always so negative? We want something positive. We want something uplifting. Listen, you want something uplifting? Here it is. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Our problem is we lift ourselves up before the Lord, and so he has to humble us. The way up is down. Get on your knees before God, humbling ourselves, repenting of our sins, owning up to what the wrong that we have done. People don't want to do that. They just want a message of peace. They want a message of uh, that's smooth upon their ears. Something that makes me feel good. There were prophets in Jeremiah's day, as there were in Isaiah's and all the other, other prophets, that were not prophets of the Lord. 
I would say they, they spelled prophet, P-R-O-F-I-T. There's a lot of those prophets dressed in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Joel Osteen. Just thought I'd throw a name out there and see what kind of response I got. When was the last time you heard him preach on the judgment of God? He doesn't even believe in a God of judgment. He doesn't even believe in a God that would send Muslims to hell. Hello? He's not a prophet of the Lord. He's profiting from the people of the Lord. Jeremiah said, you know, it would be a lot easier to preach something else. As a matter of fact, at one point in his ministry, he got so discouraged that the people were not listening. He said, okay, I'm done. I'm not going to preach anymore. I'm not going to prophesy anymore because the more I prophesy, the more people hate me. The more I prophesy, the more people go that way instead of coming this way. The assemblies are getting smaller. And the people are not listening. At first they listened because it was something new, something amazing, and something that was really quite something to behold. It was unusual. But now we're 22 years into it. And all the things that Jeremiah is saying, they don't see happening. And so they think it's false. Jeremiah said, I'm not going to preach anymore. I'm not going to speak in the name of the Lord anymore. But he said, there's a fire in my bones. And I could not contain. He said, I had to speak. I had to preach. I had to give the truth. You know, it would be a lot easier to travel this country telling people how good they are. That would really open some doors. But it opened doors to places I don't want to be. You say, what describe, describe a place you don't want to be, anywhere God's not. And there are a lot of churches today, they've got church over the door, they, they, they say they believe the Bible, but you start preaching the Bible, they'll run you out of town as fast as they can. They got their religion, but they don't have a relationship with God. This spirit of Jehoiakim we see here, I'm just going to list them quickly. I want us to see his response to the word of God. And let me tell you tonight, if you want to know where you are as far as your relationship to God, you don't have to look any further to your response to the word of God when it's preached. Now, we all say we love God on Facebook. It's easy to type on Instagram how much you love the Lord. But the proof of that is when the word of God comes plowing up your row. Because it will. There's not any of us sitting in here tonight or standing here tonight that the word of God's not going to come plowing down our row at some point in time. Rooting up something that needs to be rooted up in our lives. And our response to the word of God, when, when we hear, thus saith the Lord, 
our response to God's word tells us directly our, our relationship, the status of our relationship with God. You know that God has elevated his word. He's magnified his word above his name. Think about that. We just sang the song, Jesus, the one and only. Think about that name. There's something about that name. Amen? Jesus means Savior. Something about the name of Jesus. And God says, I've elevated my word above, and he says, above all my name. That's how serious God is about his word. No wonder the devil's been attacking God's word since the Garden of Eden. You want to know why? Because if you can't trust a man's word, you can't trust the man. We heard all, over and over again, we used to hear it a lot, man's only as good as his word. And our God's only as good as his word. If we do not have, if this is not the word of God, preserved, perfect, inerrant, inspired, if it's not the word of God, then we don't have a, a leg to stand on when it comes to eternity, when it comes to our salvation. How are you going to believe you're saved forever if you can't believe the book? I'm telling you, there's an attack upon the word of God. Just like uh, Je Jehoiakim, he cut out the parts he didn't like. You know what the spirit of Jehoiakim is? It's a spirit of disdain. When it comes to the word of God, it's a spirit of disdain. You, you, listen, you go to churches, and, and sometimes we get invited, and we get invited to sing, but they don't want me to preach. And as we get closer to the coming of the Lord, people want less of the Bible and more entertainment. Now, I hope that you enjoyed the music, but the music was not for you. The singing was not for you. We're not singing for you, and I'm not preaching for you. We're singing for him, and we're preaching for him. And hopefully it's a blessing to you. Hopefully it's a help to you. Hopefully you like it. But whether you like it or not, we're going to do it for him. The spirit of Jehoiakim is disdain when it comes to God's word. He heard the word of God just like the people heard the word of God. But it says in verse 23, when Jehudi had read three or four leaves, he cut it with the penknife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth. And listen, it wasn't just, it started with just a few pages, but it didn't end there. Until all the roll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Let me tell you something. If there's one page in that Bible that's false, then you don't have a Bible at all. If you're going to throw out one page, throw out the whole book. Amen. I'm one of them. I am a King James Bible believer. I make no apologies for it. Well, this one's just as good. And that one's just as good. They're all the same. They're not the same. How do you know they're not the same? They don't read the same. They got different words in them. Well, I like this one. It's easier for me to understand. So you want to bring God down to your level. How about we pray and maybe, 
maybe the God of, of, of glory can raise us up to his level. Maybe by his spirit, he can give us understanding of that book. Quit trying to drag down God down to your level. Start praying he'll lift you up to his, amen? I'm about to get wound up tonight. The spirit of disdain for God's word. You say, I thought there was a message on revival. It is. There will be no revival without obedience to this book and having the right spirit when it comes to what God has to say. Well, preacher, I don't like that part. You know what? There's some parts I don't like. Because I'm carnal and I'm fleshly and it rubs me the wrong way and it, and it, and it, it, it plows up my row. It deals with my heart and it exposes my sin. You know what? I'm thankful. I'm thank- I don't want God to change the word. I want God to change me. Thank God for the book. The spirit of Jehoiakim has disdain when it comes to the word of God. He also has a spirit of denial. Notice in verse 24, yet they were not afraid. Can you imagine destroying the word of God and not having fear? They were not afraid, nor rent their garments, neither the king nor any of his servants that heard all these words. So apparently he was reading the words, and the king said, oh, I don't like that one, throw it in the fire. They'd read the next page, cut that one out, throw it in the fire. He'd read the next page, cut that one out, throw it in the fire. He heard all the words. Now listen, we, we, we don't have time to read all the words of the prophecies of Jeremiah tonight, but let me just tell you what they are. Judgment, 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 judgment. You're wicked. You've forsaken me. You've, you've, you've worshipped the works of your own hands. You've burnt incense to false gods. You've spent your life chasing after the things of this world. And I've had it, and judgment's coming. You know what? The spirit of Jehoiakim is, oh yeah, whatever. God says judgment's coming. La-di-da-di-da. used to have a lady in my church when I pastored. And when I really got preaching hard, like really hard, this is just child's play here tonight. When I got preaching really hard, she'd get out her fingernail clippers. Start clipping her nails. Click, 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 click. It used to make me really mad. You know what? Then I started seeing what was happening to her family. It made me really sad. 
because God's word was going forth and she acted like I couldn't care less. I don't care what God says. We're fine. Now, you know, listen, if you'd asked Jehoiakim, he was religious, okay? He, he wasn't a rank heathen. He was the king of Judah. He believed in the one true God, so he said. If you'd ask him, were you going to reject the words of God? Oh, no. I'll never reject the word of God. It's just that preacher. Come on. Just that preacher. I don't have a problem with God. I just have a problem with you. Well, guess what, friend? I'm not preaching my words. I'm preaching God's words. You think I enjoy preaching judgment messages? No. I'd rather preach on the love of God. It's better offerings. But you know what I need to hear? I need to hear what you're hearing tonight. You know what my family needs to hear? They need to hear what you're hearing tonight. Say, so why do we need it? Because judgment is coming. It is coming. We have had it so good for so long that we've forgotten. We've assumed that God's long suffering is his approval. And because God is merciful, don't you ever believe that he will change? He's merci- don't get his mercy confused to think that he no longer will judge sin. If he did not judge sin, he would not be just, he would not be holy, and we'd still be lost in our way to hell. He'd not be a man of his word. If God's word is not sure, then our salvation's not sure. The spirit of disdain, there's a spirit of denial. Here's the facts, here's what's happening. Oh yeah, whatever. We're fine. You've been saying this for 22 years, Jeremiah. Why don't you just knock it off? Why don't you just leave us alone? Why do you want to make us miserable? There's a spirit of disrespect. You see it in verse 25. It says, nevertheless, Elnathan and that guy and the other guy had made intercession to the king that he would not burn the roll, but he would not hear them. So they're asking the king, please please don't do this. Please don't cast aside the words of the Lord. Please don't disregard what God has to say. Please don't despise the word of the Lord. Please don't just be in a spirit of denial of what God's saying. Show some respect to the word of God. I'm telling you, the spirit of Jehoiakim is alive and well in churches all across this land. They'll sit down three hours to watch a movie. They won't listen for 40 minutes to a gospel message. Now, they'll sit there, but they'll tune you out. I've seen it. 
I've seen it. They're looking at you, but they're not seeing you. Their mind's a million miles away. That's why I move around so much, because you've got such a short attention span. We're used to things. Change, 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 change. They, they, they said that uh, I think in a, in a half-hour episode, there used to be a commercial every 10 minutes or something like that. Now it's like every three minutes because we can't keep anybody's attention that long. This is serious business. This is the word of God. The spirit of Jehoiakim has no respect for the preaching of the word of God. Listen, can I just give you a word here? I love this church. I've been coming here a long time now. But can I just give you a word here? Brother Pastor Rob, might, he might get upset at me for this, but I, I, hope I, can, I hope I have liberty. Can I encourage you to be careful how you speak about your pastor? Can I just encourage you? Now, he's a man just like anybody else is a man, just like I'm a man. But he's God's man. He's God's man. Can I encourage you to treat him with respect? Amen? He's doing God's work. Important thing. I believe you love him. I believe you pray for him. But can I encourage you to respect him? The job he's doing is an important job. Now, listen. The spirit of Jehoiakim not only shows disdain, denial, disrespect, but it's, listen, this is, the real, this is the really, really important point right here. It's the spirit of disbelief. Watch what he says in verse 20, 29. Well, look at verse 28. The Lord speaks to Jeremiah again, verse 27. Look at verse 28. Take thee again another roll. And write in it all the former words that were in the first roll, which Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, hath burned. And thou shalt say to Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, Thus saith the Lord, Thou hast burned this roll, saying, Why hast thou written therein, saying, The king of Babylon shall certainly come and destroy this land, and shall cause to cease from thence man and beast? Now listen, follow this, please. The Lord is speaking to Jeremiah to speak to Jehoiakim, dealing with what Jehoiakim's response was to the word. What was Jehoiakim's response? His response is, why hast thou written these things? Why are you writing that that Babylon's coming? Why are you writing that judgment's coming? Why are you writing that we're going to be taken captive? Because it's true. Because it's going to happen. Jehoiakim had this spirit and the attitude, well, I just, I do not believe what you're saying is going to happen. I can't believe it's going to happen. Now listen, preachers have been preaching that judgment's been coming on America for decades. And the reason being primarily because of the innocent blood that we have shed. 
There's never been a nation that shed more innocent blood. And God will punish nations who shed innocent blood. So we've been preaching it for a long time. Judgment's coming. But we've had it in our minds, I believe we, we, we've thought in our minds, it's going to happen so far down the road, so much has to change before judgment comes, that we'll never have to worry about it. Come on. That's been our spirit, that's been our attitude. Can I reason with you tonight a little bit? Look at how much has changed in the last 18 months. 19 months, 20 months. Look what look how our world has changed. Look how our nation has changed. It's like we went to sleep and woke up in the twilight zone. What has gone on? We never would have dreamed these changes would be taking place so rapidly, so quickly. Can I say, it's a window of opportunity for us to see as the people of God, judgment could be right around the corner. Wake up! There's souls in the balance. There's children that need to know the Lord, and they need to be strengthened to stand for the Lord. There's a job to be done. This is serious business. It's not a time to push it aside. It's not a time to just bury our heads in the sand. I was talking with my wife the other day. She said, sometimes I'd like to be an ostrich. Just be able to bury my head in the sand and forget about the world all around me. I understand what she's saying. I got a better solution, though. Let's bury our heads in the book. say, well, i got to know what's going on. The book will tell us what's going on. Don't interpret the Bible by current events. Interpret current events by the Bible. Can I say God's giving us a window of opportunity, I believe? I said this last week, preacher. I'm still saying it. I thank God for what we're going through. I thank God for it. Now, I do it because the Bible says in everything give thanks, first and foremost. But I also see that it is God's way of trying to wake us up and get us to see that we need to stop playing Christianity and stop going through the motions and playing the game and get serious with God because there's serious judgment coming, there's serious challenges coming, and we have a serious commission to fulfill as God's people. Let's get at it. Let's stop sitting down on our blessed assurance and let's get out there and do something for God. Amen. The spirit of Jehoiakim. You know what the spirit of Jehoiakim is? Sitting in my winter house. Ah, fire in the hearth. I like that. Don't you? Now, we, we travel pretty much year-round, but when it gets about December, we shut it down. We go home. We sit down. 
I don't have a wood stove. That's too much work. I got a pellet stove because I still like to see the fire burning. We put that pellet stove on and we sit back in our winter house and we just exhale. Thousands of miles traveled. A lot of people. You may look at me and think I'm a people person. I'm not. If you think I don't like you, don't think about it too much. (sighs) Just unplug. Just relax. Just take it easy. It's been the spirit of Jehoiakim because it's nice. It's comfortable. You know what God's saying? I don't like you lukewarm. I'd rather have you cold. Or I'd rather have you hot. You know, you get cold enough, you'll get up and do something. He said, I worry that you're cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. I like coffee, don't you? If you don't, one day you'll get saved. (laughs) I like coffee. I like coffee hot, and I like coffee cold. But I do not like coffee lukewarm. Give it hot, give it cold, don't give it to me lukewarm. You know what? The church of Jesus Christ today, we've got a name that we're alive, but we're dead. There's a lot of programs and there's a lot of activity, but there's nothing on the inside that's really driving us. There's a form of, of, of godliness, but there's no power. There's no power. You know why? We've set aside the word of God. Now we'd never say, Lord, I'm going to burn that Bible in the fire. We'd never say it, but we, we burn it on the altar of our convenience. We burn it on the altar of our, of our own comfort. We burn it on the altar of, well, that convicts me too much. I don't want to hear about that. We're more interested in God being okay with our lives than we are seeking what God would have us to do. There's a big difference. We want God's approval, or we want God's permission, but we don't want God's approval. What will you let me do? What can I do and still be a Christian? That's the attitude, that's the spirit of Jehoiakim. Don't give me the hard parts of the Bible. Don't preach on my sin. Don't deal with my heart. Let's just all meet together, tell each other how good we are, and then go home feeling good about ourselves. There's only one problem with that. Judgment is coming. And we're going to find out really quick who really believes God and who really believes that book and who doesn't. Do you think 
there's any nominal Christians in Afghanistan right now? You think there's anybody showing up to church just, oh, well, something to do. They said that we better, or, you know, the preacher will be after us. No. I bet their gatherings are so sweet right now because they're genuine. They're real. They're real. I don't want to see judgment. I don't, I, I don't like hurting. I don't like seeing my loved ones hurting. But I'll tell you what I'd like to see. I'd like to see a genuine move of God in our days. I would, listen, Leonard Ravenhill said this, great revivalist of our generation, one generation back. This is what he said. He said, the church doesn't have revival because we are content to live without it. That's why. We've got our winter house and we've got our fire on the hearth. We've got things and everything looks like it's just fine. Preacher, why are you preaching on this? Babylon's coming. And you, you can deny it, and you can you cannot believe it all you like, but you believing it or not believing it is not going to stop it. Now, let, let me show you this. We'll be done. Preach longer than I intended to. That's all right. We need it. We need it. Look in, uh, look in 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Brothers and sisters, aren't you ready for something genuine? Aren't you ready for a real move of God? Not this fake stuff. There's all kinds of fake stuff going on. I'm not talking about fake healings and fake miracles and fake this and fake that. I'm talking about a moving of the Spirit of God in our days. We Baptists, we're scared to talk about that. We start talking about the Holy Spirit. Well, there's a holy roller. He's Pentecostal, charismatic. We don't understand. We have no understanding about the spirit-filled life, but that is our only hope. Look at 2 Chronicles 34. Now, listen, before we read this, we've got Jehoiakim and we've got Jeremiah. Jeremiah, through messengers, brings God's word to Jehoiakim. And what does Jehoiakim do? He burns it. He rejects it, right? Look in 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Look at verse number 8. Now in the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the house, he sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, and that other fellow, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Joahaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. And when they came to Hilkiah the priest. Now, hold your place there. I meant to take you here first. Hold your place in Second Chronicles 34 and go back to Jeremiah chapter 1. Okay, so we're introduced to someone named Hilkiah. Hilkiah. He's a priest. Hilkiah the priest. This is in the days of Josiah. In Jeremiah chapter 1, look at verse 1. The words 
of who? Jeremiah, the son of who? Hilkiah, of the priests that were in Anathoth, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. So you have Jeremiah and Jehoiakim. Their fathers, Jeremiah's father was Hilkiah, and Jehoiakim's father was Josiah. Now watch what takes place back in 2 Chronicles 34. You with me? Look at verse number 8 again. Uh, no, not verse number 8, verse 9. And when they came to Hilkiah the high priest, they delivered the money that was brought into the house of God, which the Levites that kept the doors uh, had gathered of the hand of Manasseh and Ephraim, and of all the remnant of Israel, of Judah and Benjamin, and they returned to Jerusalem. And they put it in the hand of the workmen that had the oversight of the house of the Lord, and they gave it to the workmen that wrought in the house of the Lord to repair and amend the house. Now look down in verse 15. And Hilkiah, I'm sorry, verse 14. And when they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found what? A book. He found a book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. And Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book. Amen. I'm glad I found the, the book. Amen. Not a book. The book. He said, I found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. Hilkiah delivered it to Shaphan. Shaphan, verse 16, carried the book to the king, brought the king word back again, uh, and, and uh, looked down in verse 18. Then Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the law, that he rent his clothes. Now remember, when Jehoiakim heard the words that God had given Jeremiah, one of the indictments against Jehoiakim that God mentions is, he did not rend his clothes. He didn't repent. That was a sign of repentance. That was a sign of, I am undone. I'm unclean. I'm in anguish. I'm mourning. Josiah, when he, got the, when he got the words, and he said, what was the word? It was the law of Moses. They had come so far in the land of Judah that they didn't even know the law of Moses any longer. So when they find this book, they start reading the book, and the response of Josiah, he, he, he rends his clothes. Verse 20, the king commanded Hilkiah and Ahikam, the son of Shaphan, and all those guys, saying, Verse 21, go inquire of the Lord for me and for them that are left in Israel and in Judah concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out upon us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do after all that is written in this book. And they go and they inquire of the Lord. You read down through here uh, the, the, the response. The king of Judah uh, is... is is broken before the Lord. And look what the Lord says to him. Look at about the middle of verse 26. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which thou hast heard. Because thy heart was what? Tender. 
and thou didst humble thyself before God when thou heardest his words concerning or against this place and against the inhabitants thereof and humblest thyself before me and didst rend thy clothes and weep before me, I have even heard thee also, saith the Lord. You know what he said? You heard me, Josiah, and I'm going to hear you now. We wonder why God's not hearing our prayers. We're not hearing his word. He said, you listen to me, and now I'll listen to you. And look what he says. Verse 28, behold, I will gather thee to thy fathers, and thou shalt be gathered to thy grave in peace. Neither shall thine eyes see all the evil that I will bring upon this place and upon the inhabitants of the same. So they brought the king word again. Now listen, again, what we said from the beginning, judgment was coming on Israel and on Judah regardless. No matter how they responded, judgment was still coming. He told Josiah the same thing, judgment's coming. He's a just God. He has to punish sin. And sins of nations have to be dealt with on a national scale. Hello? He said judgment is still coming. But because you humbled yourself, because you rent your clothes, and your heart was, was rent before me, he said, I will prolong my mercy. I will withhold the judgment. Now listen, we know judgment's coming. We don't know when. Maybe. I don't know for sure, preacher, but maybe if we'll humble our hearts, God will push it forward. And then maybe if our children will humble their hearts, God will prolong his mercy again. And maybe if our grandchildren will humble their hearts, God will push it back again. I'm saying God is a God of mercy. He's a God of forgiveness. He's a God of revival. But we have to humble ourselves. You know what else he did? He not only humbled himself, he submitted himself. He put himself under the authority of God. And preacher, that's the rub. That's what we don't like. We're quick to say, oh, I was wrong. I'm wrong about that. I really should make God the, the, the priority in my life. We're quick to say that. We're slower to do it. What is it that God's working in your heart? You say, what can I do? I can't stop judgment from coming to a nation. You're part of the nation. You know what you can do? You can humble your heart before God. You can submit your life to God. You can pray for God's mercy. You can pray for revival. As I said yesterday, I don't believe it's, 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 it's a judgment or revival. I believe it's judgment for revival. God's trying to get our attention. And it starts on an individual basis. 
on an individual basis, will you humble your heart? Will you submit your life? You know what? Hilkiah, he found a book and he brought it to Josiah and Josiah said, oh man, we've been wrong. Now listen, listen, Josiah was a good king. He was a good king before he got the book. But you know what? When God revealed through his word the faults of his life, he humbled himself. How sad. One generation, one, one generation later, Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, brings a book. The words of the Lord to Jehoiakim the son of Josiah. Totally different response. Have we not seen that in our churches? Have we not seen that in our families? I'm not trying to beat you down. I'm trying to say we need God. We're not going to fix this thing on our own. We're going to have to humble ourselves before God and call upon God and call upon him to show his mercy. Are we going to get serious about this thing? Are we going to keep playing our games, keep playing with the world, going through the motions, watch our children have a spirit of disdain toward the word of God. I don't know about you. I don't want to have the spirit of Jehoiakim. I want to have the spirit of Josiah. I want my children to have the spirit of Josiah. When God, through his man brings the word to their attention that they humble themselves. Are we ready to humble ourselves? You're going to sit there and say, oh, that preacher, he thinks he knows everything. He thinks he's big stuff. He's this, he's that. That's what you think. That's what, no, that's not what I think. It's what God says. I'm going to be on the altar right beside you. Because I need God just as much as you do. We're going to get serious before God. Whether you believe it or not, judgment's coming. It's coming. Heavenly Father, Lord, help us. We need you. God, help us to stop playing games. Help us to stop flirting with the world. Help us to stop looking for the approval of those who hate you, all the while ignoring what you say, what your word says. God, help us to get right with you, to get right, to get thoroughly, throughly right, throughly amend our ways. For so long, we've done a little repenting 
and you've done a lot of blessing. But Lord, I truly believe that that mercy is running out. And if we don't truly amend our ways, we are going to feel the full wrath of your judgment upon this nation that we love so much. As was pointed out yesterday, judgment must begin at the house of God. We need to get our hearts right with you. We can point the finger at a godless world and blame them for all the wrongs and woes. But God, it begins with us. God, help us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.